the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Streaming now on TuneIn.com and Radio.com. AM 1220 KDOW. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. What do I say about that debate last night other than to say, whoa, (laughs) I don't think we've ever seen anything like that in the nation. It was unlike any presidential debate from the opening moments. President Trump repeatedly interrupted Joe Biden and told lies. This is according to the New York Times, not me. He talked about Trump's own tax payments, Biden's health care plan, the environment and voting by mail. Last night's debate was almost impossible to watch. Um, it's kind of interesting because when I came to California, one of the very first things I saw 20 years ago is people would go to, to the debates at movie theaters and they'd watch it on a big, big old honking movie screen. And they would cheer for their favorite candidate, typically the Democrat or the liberal or the liberal Democrat would be ideal, right? Um, in California, this was seriously Everyone I know that was was texting each other, they're like, whoa. Um, it was almost unfathomable. It had no policy in it, none, that we could take away and say, oh, this is what the country's going to look like for the next four years. No issues were decided last night. It was a mess. I think that's fair of me to say. That's my political comment of the day. No more. Um... Let's see, what can I switch to? Disney's laying off 28,000 employees. Poor Cinderella. Poor, poor Cinderella, right? Um, yeah, the people who play Cinderella at theme parks, gone, fired. You're fired. You're fired, you're fired, you're fired, you're fired, you're fired. The airline industry is getting prepped for more layoffs, unless they get more money from a stimulus plan. Steve Mnuchin is given the stock market hopes of and dreams of something bigger and, and more wonderful. 
He's saying, eh, we're going to do our best. We're going to try to get something done. Treasury Secretary of the United States. Um, we've gotten to the point that the president doesn't talk about policy with the Democrats. Steve Mnuchin does. I'm fine by that. Mnuchin comes from my background. He's a Wall Street guy. Um, he's considered a Democrat, and he's considered very, very uh, moderate. But when it comes to spending, he spends like the Republican Party. Well, no, the Democrat Party. No, no, both of them, right? They're both guilty of it, all things considered. But we're talking stimulus again. Again, does this not feel a little bit like she loves me? She loves me not. She loves me. She loves me. Stimulus plan on, stimulus plan off. Stimulus plan on, stimulus plan off. I Don't count on it is what I'm saying here. At this point in time, don't come to school with no lunch money because you're not going to get a free meal. If you get a free meal, wonderful. But I would assume that things are going to get a little bit tougher in our economy um, based on rhetoric. But it's the funny part about that was four years ago, I would say, oh, they're going to get something done. Six years ago, oh, they'll get something done. Eight years ago, they'll get something done. 10, 20, 24, 60, whatever. They'll get something done, and they always have. Now it feels like the pandemic is lasting a little bit too long on our economy. And the Republicans and Democrats aren't working together to do the government fixes that would be needed to tie people over. So with Disney announcing those job cuts and with the airline industry saying, hey, we're coming right at you guys. We we are going to cut things as well. Not only the airlines, not only Disney. I've seen a lot of hotel companies say we're going to go out of business unless leisure picks up. Because there's no business travelers anymore. And that may be permanent with companies like Google and Facebook saying, you guys don't need to come back to work until mid-2021. What? So business travel seems to be on hold. And it won't snap back. No V-shaped recovery. There was such a great moment last night where Chris Wallace, the moderator, said, and I'm, I'm dipping back into politics. He said something along the lines and. You know, v, V-shaped economic recovery or K-shaped? And we didn't get to hear an answer because they both started interrupting each other. <clears throat> but I like the K-shape where, and, I, and I, I don't personally like it, but I like the analogy. Where the, the haves continue to recover and the have-nots go back down, kind of like a K. Where everyone went straight down on the left side, and then the recovery is different. It feels that way to me. Royal Dutch Shell said it's cutting between 7,000 and 9,000 jobs. Dow said it's going to reduce its workforce by 6%. So it's not just the airlines. It's not just Disney. The airlines said they're on the verge of shedding about 30,000 jobs. Disney uh, cut down 28,000 employees yesterday. That starts to add up. Just throwing it out there for you. Now, why is the market up today? Good question. Because Stephen H. says lawmakers will give stimulus a serious try. A serious try? Give it, go, go give it the old college effort, son. And your son gets there to eat pizza. <laughs> kind of thing, right? That, that's where I'm feeling we are. Uh, but Mnuchin's hopeful. August pending home sales soar to a record high, fueled by rock-bottom mortgage rates. Pending home sales rose 8.8% in August, reaching a record high pace. 
sales were 24.2% higher in August than in August uh, 2019. Okay, let me just throw that down there for Uno Momento. Pending home sales are 24, 24% higher than this time last year. Uh, rock, scissors, paper, low mortgage rate twins. You could say home prices. You could say availability. You could say low mortgage rates, low mortgage rate twins. That, that covers the scissors and the paper. It wins. And what we have right now is low mortgage rates tremendously low. I've got huge low mortgage rates, below 3%. The Fed intends to hold short-term rates low for a while. You can literally buy a home with almost no mortgage payment. That's not true. 3% is pretty low, though. And you could fix it up and sell it in two years to someone else for 3%. That should do well. If you fix it up nicely. But that's kind of the kind of the mindset we're getting in. These mortgage rates are going to stay low forever. No, they won't. But we're feeling that they will. Democrats' new $2.2 trillion stimulus bill includes a second round of $1,200 stimulus checks. Um, wow. Some of the stories out there today are just... Seriously odd. Black Entertainment Television founder, Robert Johnson, who I met at a party once. Um, he's talking about the presidential debate. He said, I'm a businessman. I'm going to take the devil I know over the devil I don't any time of the week. So he said, I'll take Trump. I won't take Biden. Huh. That's a businessman's perspective. Devil I know versus devil I don't know. Wall Street likes devils known, demons known versus demons unknown. When there's questions on Wall Street, we kind of get nervous and we step back and go, I don't know what I'm going to do with my money. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, newfocusfinancial.com. Your comments and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. I promise not to go all political on you. Kind of give you a little bit of a breather, a little bit of space. The news that I have today is not great, though. On one hand, I look at the housing numbers and I go, hey, home sales soar to record high. That's great because I own a couple homes. And then I go, but be sensitive to the people that don't that are renting because that's the worst news possible. Then I look at Disney, who are laying off 28,000 employees across its park experiences and consumer products divisions and prolonged closures at its California-themed parks with very limited attendance, and I go, there's more pain out there. I feel like we're hitting economy part two, COVID economy part two. COVID economy part one was March, April, May, where we shut down. And then we started opening it back up. 
I saw San Francisco just got approved yesterday to open up restaurants with limited uh, indoor seating, not just outdoor seating. I'm actually kind of digging the outdoor seating, to be honest with you. It feels like I'm in the Riviera. It feels like I'm on a French vacation. I'm like, it's lovely. Let's sit outside. Oh, that's her only choice, right? But we're starting to open back up. But now I feel like we're getting COVID economy part two, which is a stark reality that we're not back. It wasn't a V-shaped recovery. So today I see Disney laying off 28,000 people. I see Royal Dutch Shell cutting between 7,000 and 9,000 people. You're saying Royal Dutch Shell. Oh, who cares about them? They're a big old oil, dirty company that every now and then kills dolphins in the Gulf Coast um, of Mexico. And their oil platforms blow up and people die. Screw them. Let them fire people. No, 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 no. Seven to seven thousand to nine thousand people pay more. Seven to nine thousand people who spend money on the economy. Those are real people. And are we learning something from these job cuts today? Disney travel and leisure is no bueno. Royal Dutch Shell energy, things that go into planes, things that go into cars that transport us across the country, no bueno. Dow Chemical said basically the same thing, cutting 6% of its workforce. They're going to try to save 500 to $600 million by doing that. That's 500 to $600 million that's not going to go into our economy. Are you following? Are you picking up what I'm putting down? The airline industry said they're on the verge of shedding more than 30,000 jobs. Again, let's say that's 30,000 people who can go to dinner. Who can pay their mortgage? Who could pay their rent? 30,000 people who, um, again, it, it's an indictment that travel and leisure is not there. Or business travel. I don't know. I'm too chicken to get on a plane right now. There I said it. I'm chicken. Bark, bark, bark. Um, it takes a tough man to make a tender chicken. I'm a tender chicken. That's all I'll say. Um, but the news isn't great. The employment picture has been improving since 20 million jobs were lost in April. But now we're facing another round of layoffs. So the improvement that we saw where we recovered essentially half those jobs back is going to see future data that looks probably down, sideways, sideways to down, Based on 28,000 people plus 7,000 people plus 30,000 people, those are big cuts, and that will have a ripple effect in our economy. Just throwing it out there. I'm not trying to be a downer. Don't be a downer, Rob. J.P. Morgan's going to pay $920 million to settle its spoofing case with the U.S. Justice Department. $920 million. And you know what? It ain't nothing but a thing. Anyway... The Pope once did a miracle. This goes back to my childhood, and it's a Pope joke. Work with me. Once did a miracle, and he said, ah, I did nothing by that. People were like, you just turned bread into water, water into fish. Yeah, nothing but a thing. J.P. Morgan paying $920 million is nothing but a thing. It is a line item that will be quickly forgotten. Are we ready to go after financial companies with low interest rates? Probably not. There's a ton of value there, and when interest rates march higher, that's going to be the sector that outperforms. 
but no one's expecting interest rates to march higher. And I look at it and I go, I would love to own JP Morgan Chase. I would love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Saturday Night Live returns October 3rd. Um, but the U.S. Bank, JP Morgan, faced charges of market manipulation after making fake trades with precious metals and treasury futures. That's not cool. So they were lining up like, oh, gold's going higher. And then telling their brokers, tell people gold's going higher. And they would buy gold in phony accounts. And they would manipulate gold going higher. And then all their clients would say, oh, I want to buy gold. I want to buy gold. I want to buy gold. That kind of manipulation is not cool. Um, it's deferred prosecution agreement. Is That's never – that doesn't mean you did good. That means you did bad. So should we hold it against J.P. Morgan Chase and say, I'm never going to invest money with you? Maybe. A nearly $1 billion penalty, $920 million. They should have just made it a billion. Just to be honest with you, just to like make it more, like make the typist put a B in there. $920 billion is a lot. $920 million is a lot. A billion is a lot. But it's nothing to a bank of this size and scope. Energy lost 3% yesterday. And today we see Royal Dutch Shell say we're cutting jobs. It's the worst performing sector so far in 2020. It is not even close. Energy's down 47%. Real estate, the second worst sector, is down 14% year to date. Financials down 12.2. Utilities down 11. Industrials up a scotch, like a, a fraction, like less than a chip tooth, like 15 basis points. Basic materials up 9%. Communication services up 16 Healthcare up 19 Consumer cyclical up 37%. Technology up 44.5% as far as Standard & Poor's sectors go. So energy is down 46%. People like Elon Musk are loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-bop. Elon Musk is loving it because he's a clean energy guy. Last night, if we got any policy out of Biden or Trump, we might say, let's bet more on clean energy or let's bet more on, on oil. I can't tell you who won last night. I just, it was a mess. But I will tell you this. I'm looking at energy down 46%, 47%. And unlike Rocky movies, sometimes the losers come back to do okay. It could be the best sector next year, next quarter. You should be looking at it going, hmm. I see a lot of potential upside there because it's not going to zero. We're not paying zero at the pump. We're not paying zero to fly. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money investing and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. You spend your days alone still hoping for the truth of Your comments and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. 
Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Democrats are seeing a fundraising boom following the wild debate between Trump and Biden last night. Democratic fundraising website known as ActBlue processed close to $8 million between 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock last night, East Coast time, shortly after the debate. Very, very dramatic. Um, let's bring in Patrick O'Hare, briefing.com. Mr. O'Hare, Wall Street is supposed to be boring. It's supposed to be numerical. It's math-driven. And yet it's getting a little bit of the drama feel to it these days with job cuts and presidential elections. Uh, what are you covering at briefing.com and your page one? What's your, your prevailing thought today? Hey, good morning, Rob. Um, well, the prevailing thought is that I'm, I'm trying to basically stay away from the debate and looking at really uh, just the market reaction, right? Obviously, there's plenty of um, views as to what we all witnessed last night. But for our purposes, obviously, we're only concerned really with one view, and it's what's going on uh, with the market and what that might convey about um, what transpired last night. And, and frankly, you know, the page one commentary, is it's written before the open and, and before the market open. The futures market was kind of leaning in somewhat of a flat direction in terms of the, the signaling. And I think that what that ultimately suggested was that, you know, market participants, uh, didn't really walk away from last night uh, thinking that it, it knew anything differently that it that it didn't think already about this whole election process, right? Um, you know, the market knows it's going to be a nasty fight. You know, it knows what the polls are suggesting right now, but it also know, knows or, or recollects the the experience of 2016 uh, when the polling information, you know, wasn't necessarily gospel. Um, and it also, I think, is, is cognizant that, you know, an outcome on election night might not be possible. So uh, really, I think that that relatively flattish indication just kind of suggested that the market kind of wanted to do its best to forget what it saw last night uh, and would continue to focus just on the understanding that there's a heightened sense of uncertainty here right now that's going to continue to probably lead to some um, you know, choppy trading behavior where you get a nice move one day and a, a bad move the next and so on and so forth. So where do we go at this point in time? Because I, I looked at my opening commentary today and I saw energy's down 40 plus percent for the year. Do we look for energy as a sector of value or do we stay on the sidelines and wait till we get a little clearer picture on travel and leisure? Because Disney's saying things aren't looking great. Uh, they're cutting jobs. Um, it's tough for me to to be definitive at this point in time and, and point people to go play in that playground. Uh, retail doesn't seem right. Tech seems overbought. Energy seems like uh, you're buying a loser. And I hate buying losers, but that seems to be where the value is. And then I can get into minutia and start talking about chemicals and other things. But do you see anything working right now that you you feel positive about, or do you see anything getting worse that you tell want to tell people to stay away from? Yeah, so so you kind of, you hit the nail on the head, Rob. I mean, there's just kind of like have this. I mean, there's always uncertainty, but there's just a heightened level of uncertainty right now. And I think what we uh, can do is get so locked in what's uh, in, in the very near term picture that we for you know we we lose perspective on on really what the end game is right and in investing it's it's staying in the game, so 
so to speak, right? Okay. And, um, you know, you, you kind of have to parse that question in terms of, you know, what someone's uh, immediate need, you know, what are they actually trying to achieve here? Are they trying to get a 10% return in the next three months? Or are they trying to get a 7% return over the next three to five plus years, right? Or even further than that. Um, you know, I'd call your listeners' attention to the big picture column I posted on Friday, which, you know, took a look really at the long-term performance of the stock market. And there's just simply no denying uh, that it's a wealth-generating machine for people who have the ability to stand the test of time and ride out all of the volatility within the stock market, whether we're talking about volatility related to world wars, depressions, financial crises, um, you know, political uh, nonsense. Um, at the end of the day, you know, the stock market has continued to deliver uh, a very favorable return for those patient-minded investors. So someone who does not have that truly long-term outlook right now, I think, is going to struggle. And, and frankly, as a market, you know, a pundit, I struggle to tell them kind of where to go in the near term here because you're going to – I think where we go is sideways within a wide range right now, uh, certainly up until the election. Um, there's a lot riding on the outcome of that election from both a political and economic and uh, and social standpoint, really. Uh, and one can expect to see a lot of volatility. So you're going to see these days where, you know, things are looking great one day and not so great the next. Um, and then I just add, you know, one other point, though, is if you look at just today's action, I think you kind of get a little bit of a, a sense that, you know, what what could do well if you get the vaccine and maybe even if you get some type of stimulus plan, right? We're seeing the cyclical sectors outperform this morning, uh, that being the industrials, the materials, consumer discretionary, um, you know, areas like that and even energy, right, uh, which is so beaten up that if you have that truly long-term mindset, uh, then perhaps that's an area where you do reallocate um uh, or those areas you reallocate to in anticipation of a better economic recovery and better earnings growth uh, over the next uh, several months. Interesting times. Um, I don't know where to take this at this point in time because I feel <laughs> that's what I'm feeling personally of the markets. Uh, the layoffs that are coming, we saw Disney, we saw Dow, we saw Royal Dutch, we saw the airlines saying that they're going to probably cut 30,000 jobs tomorrow. Um, are, are we done with the recovery post or COVID economic recovery part one? Are we moving to part two where we're going to uh, we lose jobs, we gain jobs, then we lose jobs again? Are we in for a tighter period? Is that what the economists at briefing.com are saying or? What's the projection in your, your mindset of economically speaking? Are we double dipping? Are we doing a K or a V? Mm-hmm. We're looking for answers right now if you have them, Mr. Ware. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I think, you know, what, what that reminds us all today is that, um, you know, the recovery coming off of such a depressed base, you know, initially looks pretty, pretty easy and pretty strong. Right. Um, but as, as good as some of the economic data even today has been, um, you're still got a ways to go in a number of respects to get to where we were before, you know, the pandemic hit. Um, you know, and I think that, um, you know, when you hear layoffs at Disney and the airlines possibly and other companies like Royal Dutch Shell, um, probably are, serve as reminders that, that the, um, I guess that the easy part of this recovery period has, has passed. 
uh, and that the hard work is going to begin because uh, I think you're probably in a situation where you see more permanent job losses than one would have expected entering the year. And, uh, and that it's going to, you know, these companies have basically uh, figured out ways to cut costs to survive a period like this and try and probably continue to run as leanly and as efficiently as possible in a uh, era or in a world where you might have a vaccine and things start to recover more fully. But, you know, but the uptake on that vaccine may not happen so quickly. Uh, and so, um, so the, the, you know, the recovery road ahead uh, it's probably going to be a lot slower than what we've seen here over the last few months when, uh, when there's, you know, it was totally reasonable and logical to think that you might see a pretty strong snapback from the uh, depressive conditions that, you know, hit initially uh, during the second quarter um, due to the shutdown measures. Sounds good. Is there anything that you're working on right now for the upcoming week? Uh, the big picture column that you do on Fridays, you do the, the, Page one every day. That's how I start my day. It's a great, concise recap of yesterday and thoughts on today's actions. But on Fridays, you do a big picture that kind of, like you said, this last Friday, you talked about the wealth generating effect of Wall Street and how it's worked through so many different market conditions and market variables. Anything that you're working on now that might give us a clue on what we should be looking into? Well, one area I'm going to like back in April, I, I put up a piece that talked about uh, how a lagging indicator could put, pack some voting punch, and that lagging indicator was the unemployment rate. And obviously, we're going to get the employment report on Friday for September, but um, likely going to go down this road of kind of looking at what the trends are uh, in in terms of employment in in those uh, swing states: Arizona, North Carolina, Florida, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin. Because really, you know, when it comes down to voting, I think uh, if voters' economic interests typically follow them into the voting booth. And if those are the swing states, then we want to look at kind of what's going on with their employment levels and how that could ultimately dictate the outcome of this election, which, uh, as we alluded to earlier, could have some uh, obviously some economic and uh, implications as well as some stock market implications, um, you know, as we move into 2021. Thank you for being with us, Mr. O'Hare. Sorry, I wasn't very concise today. I'm just feeling kind of confused with the markets these days and uh you're, you're putting a good spin and good understanding on it for me i appreciate it sure thing rob thank you patrick o'hare with briefing.com a great and reliable source of u.s domestic and international market news they cover everything e- economy strategy ipos hot sectors trading ideas and much much more Give it a look. Um, I've been using them for a year, and I have nothing but positive things to say for 20-plus years. And that's pretty impressive So as far as data sources go. To say you've been loyal that long, they do a really nice job. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me online at Rob Black Show and newfocusfinancial.com. and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Just say the word and I'll the Just 
So I'm getting a little bit sad because I'm looking at the next few months. The NHL just wrapped up the Stanley Cup finals. And they're probably not going to start back up until January. Okay, they typically start in October. And I look at the calendar right now, and I'm like, they're supposed to be starting now. The NBA is going to wrap up probably the next 10 days or so. And it looks like LeBron James is going to have another championship, which, hey, that's not bad news if you're Nike. Um, Champions earn their money, so to speak. But then I'm going to be sad because that's going to go away for a few months as well. Baseball should wrap up sooner than later, although they just started their playoffs. I watched yesterday some of the games just to kill time, to not do Netflix, to not pay attention to CNBC, to not pay attention to politics. But that too is going to end. And that's probably not coming back till April. They typically start in March, but I'm thinking everything just gets delayed. I'm like, what are we going to watch as a nation? <clears throat> Well, you can always watch the stock market. Um, Google's going to be entertaining as all heck. It may just be a matter of days before the United States Justice Department, the government of the United States, sues Google. The Justice Department is expected to allege that the Mountain View company, uh, the search engine provider, the verb Google, you Googled me. It's an action verb, right? That they broke the law by using its power to damage smaller companies. When the suit will be filed, we don't know exactly, but it's going to be a big dust up uh, between the United States government and one of the country's own corporations. We're suing our own. We're fighting our own. We're not going, oh, Alibaba, you're bad. We don't like you because you're Chinese based or TikTok because you're based in, you got some Chinese, fingerprints all over you. We don't like you. We're not doing that. We're going against one of our own. And this will be the biggest Justice Department case brought against one of our own since Bill Clinton's administration went after Microsoft back in 1998. Justice Department's case is focused on Google's dominance in search. Google.com is the biggest search engine in the world. I strangely enough use Bing. I don't know what's wrong with me. On occasion, I'll use Google. But more often than not, I use Bing. And I don't know if that's just inherently me going with a smaller guy, the underdog. But this is going to happen. The government's going to say and try to prove that the company used legal methods to win that position of larger search company and then to hold it. Some details got out last week that the investigation is Google's uh, search distribution agreements. These are opaque deals, essentially, that Google strikes with other companies to make sure its search engine and its ads it serves up get in front of plenty of eyeballs. The best known deals of all of these is Google's is the default search engine on Apple's Safari mobile uh, browser. So when you use an Apple product, you get defaulted to Google. Ultimately, that means, and in the past, I've said things like, well, maybe one day could do their own search, and all the money that Google's getting from it, they can go, they can replicate that. They don't need to. Apple's got hardware to sell, but Google is able to automatically reach and serve ads to millions of valuable iPhone users. Google pays Apple $8 billion a year for that privilege. 
Now, that's not the only agreement Google has out there. That's very exclusive and one-on with Apple. They also have a deal with Mozilla's Firefox, as well as Samsung, who makes phones. You can start seeing that they're pretty dominant what they do. I had a friend who worked for Yahoo many, many years ago. And I know that's a funny thought, because you don't think of Yahoo as an employer anymore, do you? I don't. But, and this is this show's going to get a little PG-13 here. Zooby, zooby, zoo. Play a little French music, right? Uh, he came up with a search engine to search for scantily clad people. <laughs> no? The sexiest country in the world. In Europe, speaking of France... Regulators have already tried to solve part of this problem by forcing Google to offer users multiple search engine choices when they first boot up a new phone. So when you use the Android operating system, Europe is saying, okay, first things first, put in your name. Second thing, put in your phone number. Third thing, which search engine you want to use? It doesn't have to be just Google. Yesterday, Google said that Microsoft's Bing would be prominently featured. There's a search engine called DuckDuckGo. They've argued that the new system doesn't work because competitors must pay Google in order to show up as one of the choices. So Europe hasn't solved this problem yet either. But it's a... I don't want to say it's a problem, but it's an issue that's going to get government scrutiny. Will Google be allowed to make deals in the future? Will they be able to strike exclusives? Will Google no longer have to pay browsers and phone makers to be the default search engine? Will that save Google billions of dollars? Will it hurt Apple? I just told you Apple gets $8 billion a year to be the default search engine. It's tough to see how Google loses in this scenario because they're either going to save a lot of money from paying for the default or they're going to continue to be in the default. And one could almost argue that things are changing ever so slightly that search isn't as important, especially since Apple has a new feature in their operating system, which they said they're going to turn on with the new release of the software, but then they delayed it because they didn't want to destroy Facebook or perceive to be destroying Facebook that stops apps from following you, from stops apps from collecting data on you. It's a bit of a mess, but I don't see Google losing in this one. The headlines will look like they do. I'm just trying to tell you I'm in the business of telling you the future not not playing by headline news I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money investing or find me online at robblackshow.com Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.